This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live once again. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, May 28th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a quarantine fan engagement specialist, Jerem Jordan. Apparently, uh, someone in Japan is developing an app where fans could react and that noise could be heard in a stadium at an event. I think this is one of the worst ideas I've (laughs) ever heard in my life. All of a sudden you're hearing, uh, you know, noises you don't want to hear or something or what, like unfiltered, whatever. That's what it is at the stadium, but it just kind of blends in for the most part. Russell Westbrook would think otherwise when it comes to Utah, I guess. But yeah, I think that's a bad idea. I, Bundesliga, by the way, piped, started piping in some fake crowd noise. It actually added to the ambiance, right? But are you having all kinds of noises ready to go in that situation where it's like, okay, if, there's a, if it's a home game and it's a questionable call against that team, are you going to hear jeers or boos <laughs> when the ref calls a foul that you don't like? I don't, it's complicated. Because that brings up the question, and we'll address this a little bit later, is if there are fewer or no fans in the stands, it sounds like there's going to be fans to some degree. We'll see. What do you do about the natural noise there? Are you going to just have the noise from the fans in the stands? I, I think the idea is sound in, t- in terms of trying to get audio in a venue, but uh, I don't think it's good to just have unfiltered fans saying whatever from home. Let's just uh, go ahead and click on the app and uh, start saying whatever we want, and they'll pipe it into the stadium. That's so dangerous. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine Philadelphia Eagles fans or Cleveland Browns fans well, having already, this capability? They already are, are unfiltered, I guess, but <laughs> this is a very filtered place, so uh, maybe that's my mindset. We're developing an app so that you can chime in on BYU Sports Nation, and we can hear your audio piped into Studio B. Well, it's called Twitter, and we can ignore <laughs> it or use it if we want. We're also standing by to pipe in your fan audio for today's show. On the lineup, BYU basketball senior Alex Barcelo is recharged and ready for what's next. What's it like to play with a broken wrist? He's a guy that knows. Plus, the best to ever wear number 19 and our deep blue feature with BYU football nose tackle Kyrus Tonga. His trek to BYU, and throughout life for that matter, is pretty incredible. Here are your Thursday BYU Sports Nation headlines. Billy Childs has met with 19 NBA teams, including the Utah Jazz, during the pre-draft process. This according to Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. The NBA hasn't announced when the draft will take place since the season hasn't been resumed or canceled quite yet. This is an interesting thing because it may go for months with Yoli Childs and others trying to make the NBA. The NCAA Division I Council Coordination Committee Sounds fun. has extended the recruiting dead period for all sports through July 31st. In a dead period, FYI, a college coach cannot have face-to-face contact with college-bound student athletes or their parents and can't watch the student athletes compete or visit their high schools. This coordination committee will continue to regularly evaluate the dead period, guided by medical experts. That makes sense. You're not going to have much face-to-face contact anyway. People are social distancing yes. for the most part. And then there are no games. So there are other things to do, but yeah, that makes sense. The division, and, and uh, a note on that, transfers are not included in that, right? So that's a different workflow there. 
The Division I Council Coordination Committee also says starting Monday, June 1st, strength and conditioning coaches can virtually observe voluntary workouts if the student-athlete requests it first. So that's interesting. In the case of BYU, they will be here in person, um, and I wonder if the strength and conditioning coach could just see them in person because it, they won't have that digital distance. Oh, I like that. Digital distance. All hail the return of the Cactus Bowl. The bowl game in Phoenix, Arizona has returned to the Cactus Bowl title after two years being known as the Cheez-It Bowl. Cheez-Its announced yesterday Cheez-Its. they will now sponsor a bowl game in Orlando. So why is this news, BYU Sports Nation? Because the Cactus Bowl is one of the bowl games BYU could potentially play in under their new bowl tie-in agreement announced back in January. If you forgot what that is, BYU is scheduled to play, if bowl eligible, in the Independence Bowl in 2021, 2023, and 2025. In 2020, 22, and 24, BYU will play in one of the ESPN contracted bowl games with a specific note that it could be the Cactus Bowl in Arizona, formerly the Cheez-It Bowl. If Big 12 and Big 10 don't provide an opponent. Correct. So that would be a good spot for BYU. Lots of fans. Near Arizona? Home. Yeah. Yeah. Home away from home. In December? Home away from me, home. Me likey. Yes. Let's go play golf. Watch a bowl game. Yeah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Shoot your shot. Throw that Hail Mary. Swing for the fences. Dream the impossible dream. However you want to phrase it in the cliche kingdom, BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope has embraced that philosophy 100% when it comes to recruiting. Whether with transfers or athletes straight out of high school, Mark Pope is certainly aiming high. It paid off with Matt Harms, Jake Toulson, Alex Barcelo, who will join us later on the show. It hasn't worked out with other high-level guys. Still, Jerem, is the swing-for-the-fences mentality of BYU hoops a positive thing? Yeah, why not? Uh, because you're going to get a Matt. What if BYU had not gone after Matt Harms? They wouldn't have Matt Harms, right? Don't you, you have get to pr- if you don't ask. Right. This is different than say the BYU football schedule, where BYU is swing for the fences. Because there's no negative repercussion for not getting a guy. You just are what you were before. But if you schedule too hard, then you have a losing record, and then you don't ever win ten games or get ranked at the end. Da 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 da. Right. Um, no. I think BYU is already signing quality players out of high school, getting certain transfers uh, to come. I I think in this analogy of swing for the fences, that implies a home run, right? I think BYU is getting singles and doubles on the reg, some triples, right? And some homers from homegrown talent. Yoli Childs, uh, Bingham, local, four-year guy, awesome. TJ Haas, Jake Toulson, those are... Those are dudes that uh, made an, a meaningful impact. Top 50 guys all time, BYU probably, right? So let's assess what the types of players that Pope and, and company have already signed since they got here uh, that have some impact, right? Matt Harms, swinging for the fences. Let's hope he's a homer, right? Uh, that'd be good. Richard Harward, low post score, presence from UVU is going to play this year. Wyatt Lowell, 6'10 shooter from UVU. Gideon George, high upside JC guy. Uh, Spencer Johnson, JC, local guy. Okay, a lot of transfers. Out of high school, Dallin Hall, best player in the state this year. Mission first guy. Tanner Toulson, Washington State Player of the Year at his level. Mission first guy. Richie Saunders, Wasatch Academy. Mission first. There's a lot of base hits in there, right? And you're going to bring in a lot of runs. I think BYU is recruiting at a high level. They're doing well. Yes, BYU didn't get you know a certain guy recently. Um, you're going to get a. F- you're not going to get every guy. 
right? So swing for the fence. Absolutely. I have an issue if BYU doesn't. Here's what's good about even not getting high-level guys. You're still in the conversation. You're still being talked about on social media. You're still in the national college basketball scene. You've got podcasts and shows in L.A. and New York talking about how Mark Pope is great, and he's got such an engaging personality. And, oh, if I were that athlete, I would go to BYU. A lot of guys are saying that. And guess what? It's being heard. So whether or not BYU gets the guy all the time, they're still being noticed. They're They're not going to get the guy all the time. They will not. They're still out there. A guy or two. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. BYU got Matt Harms. I anticipate that BYU will get somebody else before this summer dead period is over. Somebody else, I think, is coming down the pipeline, and it's going to be a good player. And it's going to be because Mark Pope is swinging for the fences and shooting his shots and trying to fill out, find that missing ingredient into his roster. Absolutely. He's got the correct angle on Angry Birds, okay? He's going for the one-shot kill of all ten pigs. Yeah. And sometimes it works out. I feel like that's a three-year-old reference, but I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Birds 2, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Angry I, Birds Star Wars, you need to try. Yeah. You would dig that. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is the thing that BYU needs to continue to do. Because, look, BYU is a mid-major quality program with a – Unique setup in terms of a massive following nationally, a massive crowd capacity that we saw against Gonzaga, um, and and ability to play at a really high level, right? The, like, BYU and St. Mary's in terms of competition are on the same level. They are not on the same level in terms of infrastructure. It's not even close. I haven't watched St. Mary's TV recently or seen their 20,000-seat gym. You know what I mean? The resources here are unique. So BYU and the Honor Code is unique as well, right? It's a, it's a great fit for certain people. It's a terrible fit for a lot of people. But the people that come here uh, and, and embrace it, they love it, and they can have a meaningful, amazing experience on a national level and go do something professionally. And be seen on multiple national networks. Yes. We'd like to think that being on BYU TV is awesome. Okay, topic two. We've debated the impact of a certain set of games in the BYU football schedule for a while now. Obviously, I got my whole schedule's too hard thing. But you have brought up this amazing point about, well, maybe P5s aren't the problem. It's the group of fives. So which games will impact the success of BYU football in 2020 more? The Power 5 games or the Group of 5 games? Group of 5. The Group of 5 games will have the greatest impact on determining overall success in 2020 and beyond. If you don't believe me, let's examine the recent past. In the last four seasons, the Kalani Satake era, BYU has exactly one season, one, with a winning record against group of five teams. That's pathetic. It was year one under Satake with Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, and company. BYU went five and one against the group of five in 2016. And wouldn't you know it, Jerem, the Cougars won nine games that season. Who was the- on that team again? Oh, yeah, Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. The last season, they won nine games. So you say, okay, well, yeah, maybe it is the Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams factor. Jerem, they probably should have won 10 or 11 games that season, if we're being quite honest. Yes, the offense did not. Yes, BYU was building for something that should have just been all in on those two guys' skills. Let's take a look at last season. Four losses to group of five teams by BYU football last year. This is the BYU team that won at Tennessee and beat Boise State, and beat USC. Three top 35 wins. What in the world? Four group of five losses aside from that. I'm talking about inconsistency. Four and four is not good enough. I don't think six and two is an unreasonable expectation. If BYU wins 
two of those four Amen. losses. Amen. Let's say, I don't know, they beat Toledo. And, and Hawaii. And win the bowl game against Hawaii. Nine wins. Mm-hmm. Nine wins. And we're all singing a different tune about possibilities and moving forward. Zach Wilson's getting all this hype preseason yes. right now. Yes. BYU will do their thing against Power 5 competition. In fact, I fully expect BYU this season to go 3-3 three and three against Power 5 foes. Because they get up for those games. It's intensity. They play at a high level. Let's shoot Shaq's free throw percentage against Power 5s. They'll figure out a way to win at least half of the Power 5 games. What I don't expect right now is BYU to go 5-1 and one against the remaining six teams. Because it just hasn't happened in the recent past. It hasn't. It needs to. So I hope, but I don't expect. BYU stinks against Group of Fives the last three years. You've talked about this. Let's say it again. Stat of the day. Mm. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Last three seasons, group of five teams, BYU's 11 and 12. 11 and 12. That does not include FCS teams, by the way, which would make that, what, 14 and 12? Not much better. Yeah. That's an issue. Uh, here's why power fives aren't the biggest issue in that you're right, it's group of fives. Because BYU's crazy consistent against power fives. They win about 40%. Yeah. Uh, Kalani Satake era in the last four years, 37%, so a little lower. If BYU goes 50%, I'm happy. Because that's not the issue. My issue is when you schedule too many Power Fives because you are signing up for more losses. You just are. And right now, BYU is signing up for a lot of losses regardless of who they play. <laughs> yes. Seven and six in back-to-back years. Oh, no, you're right. Four and nine three years ago. The, the issue is this. So we were discussing this before the show. What if? What's a reasonable expectation against a group of fives? Is 75% win percentage reasonable? Yes. So out of eight, you go six and two? Yes. Is that reasonable? You yes. just said that. Okay, if that had happened in 2019, BYU wins nine games, as you mentioned. 2018 would have been nine games. And 2017 would have been seven wins, not four. And they're going to a bowl game. And they're going to a bowl game. Going to a bowl game is not hard. Uh, You know, half the teams do it. This is one of the biggest issues with BYU football right now. So we need to push to the question, why is this happening? I think that BYU needs to address this. I, the inconsistency, is it, uh, well, there are injuries. Is it, uh, you know, coaching? Is it getting up for those games? Whatever it is, BYU's got to address this. Because you're right, the Power Fives, BYU every year is having a notable, besides 2017, is having a notable win or two against Power Fives. Where we go, 2018, Wisconsin. Whoa, that's crazy. Last year, USC. And Boise State and Tennessee, those were notable wins. Boise State, not a power five, but you get my point. This year, BYU has four power fives in a row to start, three on the road, and then two more later. This is an issue that BYU needs to address, is there are too many power fives on the schedule, and then BYU, is BYU beat up against the group of fives? What's, like, what's the issue? Why is BYU losing to Toledo? Why is BYU losing to South Florida? San Diego State, I can understand to a degree, they had a top five defense, and BYU didn't have a healthy quarterback, and it's on the road. I like, it's not that group of five that I'm worried about. It's USF it's, who went four yes, and eight. Yes, it's that game. It's Hawaii. Now Hawaii had an explosive offense, but why didn't BYU figure out that out defensively better? Hey, convert that third down pass at the end of the game that wins BYU the game instead. BYU loses. Don't fumble at the goal line. Don't fumble at the goal. Right there, there are these little issues. If BYU's just a little better, and oh by the way, if BYU was in the Mountain West Conference right now. They'd be a five and four team in the league. The way they're playing against group of fives, five and four, six and three wouldn't be good enough. We would expect seven and two or better if BYU was in a group of five league. We we just would. I was just looking at the group of five opponents in twenty twenty. BYU should win at least four of those five. They should, but I don't expect them to because they haven't done it recently. So what do we expect? Three and two. Three and two. Yeah. 
go four and one, and now you're in a position to have a meaningful season. Correct. Because there's no such thing as a seven-win meaningful season. Unless you have a losing record and you rebuild. Yes. And you brought up the 7-12 and 12 against Power 5 teams. Let's throw out the worst season in 50 years for BYU football, 2017. Yeah. BYU 7-8 and eight against Power 5 teams. And I, I'll take that number. Right on par. Right. But 0-4 is part of the thing, <laughs> right? True. Isn't it? Yes. Yes. Our question of the day. Well, we, we are hoping that a 2020 football season happens and that we can have these conversations about whether Power 5 opponents or Group of 5 opponents are going to mean more to the success of BYU football. But if given the choice, would you rather start the 2020 season just on time or maybe delay it and do so with fans? Mm. You can send us your responses via the normal social media channels and also vote on our live poll at vote.byutv.org. So it's time to hear from you and go to Voice of the Nation. This is... The Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Nick Newman 801 and on Twitter. Start on time. I want to see our boys play. Even if we all have to stay at home, give college football as our one semblance of halfway normalcy. I would like to start on time as well. I, I don't see why you'd, why you'd wait for fans specifically. If you wait for fans, it means you're playing fewer games in the season. That's not worth it. You're losing so much money that way. Yet, I know you're gaining fans in attendance, but we're not going to have full stadiums this year. There's no way, right? It feels like there's no way there's a full stadium. It'd just be a partial. On Twitter as well, at SVUtility. With fans, my season tickets were expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I get that part. Yeah. Right now, overwhelmingly at vote.buatv.org, start on time, 87% of the votes. What do you think? I think we should start on time. Okay. Give it give it to me on time. I'll guarantee all the games. All the games. I want to play all the games, whether there are fans there or not. Yeah, I'd rather play in an empty stadium. Yeah, if, if it comes to that. But partial, we'll, we'll figure it out. Coming up, the best to wear, number 19. And how does it feel to play an intense conference tournament basketball game with a broken wrist? Alex Barcelo knows. He'll join us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow, we celebrate the year that was in Cougar Sports with the annual Y Awards. Tune in as we recognize the best of the best at BYU over the past year. Can't wait for that. This will be our, what, fifth year in a row hosting this, but we've never done on the show like this. It's unique. Yeah. I'm going to have to remember to wear the tux, bro. I've forgotten something. <laughs> yes, leave it out next to your bed so you don't forget. Yes. Okay? Yeah, yeah good idea. Tuxedos tomorrow. Uh, in fact, I ran into a BYU Sports Nation fan. His name's Ethan uh, at a local ice cream spot. And he's like, hey, why awards on Friday? And I was like, that's right, man. You're like. That's right. You're like, hey, is that our fan? <laughs> that thing you do? Shout, shout out to Ethan. Is that our, is that Let's go, man. Fan? It's the O'Neaters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Doing that thing you do. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton, and it is now our pleasure to welcome in BYU basketball senior guard Alex Barcelo from the heat of Arizona on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. Alex, great to see your face. Uh, great to catch up with you, man. How's the weather and the uh, life situation in Arizona? It is hot out here. I've been sweating insane in every workout. Like, I break a sweat in the first five minutes of every workout, but it's been great. I've been able to get to spend some time with my mom and my sisters and then my girlfriend and her family. So it's been great to be out here, but I'm definitely excited to get back up to Provo and 
see my teammates and start working out with them. So I'm I'm excited for the year to come. So Monday, voluntary <laughs> workouts begin, uh, or facilities will be open for such. Uh, when do you plan on returning to Provo? Um, I'm thinking of coming up on Sunday, so I'll be there starting on Monday. And I know everything is voluntary, but hopefully all the guys want to come in and see everyone's faces and, and start building that chemistry because I know we got a, a few new faces that we need to to welcome in and to, to get them accommodated to everything that we that we do in our workouts and on court. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see everybody. Is it really voluntary, Alex? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's voluntary for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised that the guy who played with a broken wrist is going to come up and be available for day one? And uh, some people might not know that, Alex. You, you broke your wrist against Pepperdine. You play in the West Coast Conference Tournament. What in the world? How, how did you pull that off and what was that like? Um, so I broke it in the Pepperdine game when I went up and, and Jake got ejected because he had my back. Um, he's just trying to make sure that I was okay. So he, he got kicked out. I got up. I, I wasn't really feeling anything in my wrist because my adrenaline was pumping. So I was like, all right, we, we just got to finish out this game. We got to, we got to get a few stops. We got to lock down. We got to lock this game up and we got to, we got to come out of here with a dub. And so like a minute goes by, I think we were shooting free throws or something. And I, my wrist starts like feeling like kind of tight. So I start moving it. And I'm like, all right, I just got to get through the rest of the game and I can throw, I can throw some ice on it afterwards. Like I'll talk to Rob. And so I get through the rest of the game. It's, it's getting more and more tight as the game's going on. And then I come out um, with a minute left in the game, I think. And I talk and I go down to Rob and I'm like, Rob, I think, I think something might be wrong with my wrist. Like I can't, I can't really move it that well. And he's like, we're going to, we're going to throw some ice on it and then we'll check it when we get back uh, to Provo because we were flying home to Provo that night. And he checks me out. He's like, it looks, it, it looks, it looks like it'll just be a sprain. So I was like, all right, that's great news. Like I can, I could still play with that. And then I come in the next morning and it's swollen in that spot, like right over my, over my bone. And he's, and he, he's like, right away. He told me that we need to go get an x-ray. And when I got the x-ray, like it came back that I had broken my scaphoid and that bone doesn't get a lot of blood flow. So it takes about like six weeks to heal. So I had, I think three different options I could play just play through the pain, wrap it up, tape it, and just get surgery after the year. Or I could put the screw in it, which is what I, I did eventually once our season was canceled. And I could miss I could miss the WCC tournament, but I could probably play in the NCAA tournament. And then I don't know. I don't know. I'm forgetting the other option because my mindset was just like, all right, Rob told me this. I'm going to play no matter what. No matter what coach tells me, I'm going to play. Like, I, I – I busted my butt all year for these guys and all these guys who have gotten hurt because we had a lot of injuries on this year's team and everyone made it a point to come back stronger for our team because they knew how much each of us like mattered and, and each of like how important each of us were in coming together as a group collectively in order to win the game as many games as we did. So my thing was just like, look, I, I'm going to wrap it, see how it is in practice this next week. And every day that I was in practice, I'd ask my teammates and I'd ask my coaches, I said, how did I look? Did I look like anything was wrong? Because I didn't want, if I did play, I didn't want me to be like a liability out there, like where I can't even play in there. They said, no, you, like, you can't even tell. If you didn't know that your wrist was broken, you couldn't tell. It was extremely painful, but I was able to get through it. 
dribble with my left hand. I, I tried to stay away from dribbling and passing with my left hand, but I was still able to do it. I was coming off ball screens, throwing it with my left. When we were doing our skill work for the 20 minutes before practice, I was doing my left-handed finishes, and, and it hurt. It hurt really bad, but I was just like, you know, it's just something that I got I to gotta sacrifice for my team. I know that, that they need me. I'm, I'm a piece to this team that, that they need and they're counting on, and, and I'm not going to let my team down. So I knew that no matter what coach or Rob told me, like, I, I was going to tell them, like, I, I want to play. Like, this is what I owe to my team. Like, this is what I owe to my, my university. Like, and it just – when the guys – when the guys kept telling me, like, you don't even look like you're hurt, bro, it just gave me that confidence. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go in here. And my one job is I'm going to I'm gonna lock down Jordan Ford in this game. I said, I can play defense. I can't – like, I can do – I can shoot because it's just my guy hand. So, I, I could shoot everything. It's fine. I can shoot. Can't really pass. It hurts the dribble. So, I'm going to stay away from, like, using it as much as I can. But on defense, I'm perfect. I can stay in front. It's all my feet. Um, Stay disciplined. Don't really reach. Don't get your hand caught anywhere. Um, and so I and so I did it, and I felt great in the game. Obviously, Jordan Ford hit that incredible shot at the end, and I know I, I heard a lot about a lot about that, and we went over it with the coaches. And my kind of thing was that it was a great play. I, I went based off of the scout. He loved he loves to shoot either a deep three or a floater. So when I saw him not shoot that deep, when I saw him not not going to pull up for that deep three, I was like, okay, he's going to his floater because that's what he did in the previous uh, game at his place when they beat us. And then one of my bigs came over and blocked him. So I was like, all right, I'm going to catch his floater. So right when I turned to catch his floater, he just pulled up on a dime and, and hit a great shot. And I mean, he's a great player, but we we I know we all wish that things would have ended differently, but that that's kind of my uh, my path when after I broke my wrist and and up until this point. And so. When we heard that the season was canceled right away, I got into surgery. They put the screw in my wrist, and I've been recovering since. I was two weeks in a in a soft cast, and then four weeks in a brace, and it's feeling a hundred percent now. I just have a little scar, so I look a little bit tougher. Uh, <laughs> but oh, hopefully, I look a little bit tougher to some <laughs> opponents. And and they said I I would I probably wouldn't break that bone again. So I'm I'm glad about that. That's Next time I get knocked in there, I'll make sure just to land on that wrist because it won't break. It's got a metal screw in there. That's great <laughs> news. Uh, today's motivational TED Talk brought to you by Alex Barcelo. Yeah, know? and that's wild. <laughs> so you said one of the options was wrap it and play, but you didn't wrap it, right? You played. You made it look – no one knew you had a broken wrist. We didn't know you had a broken wrist. Right. Yeah, because he, he, he was only able to wrap it a certain amount of time. So I think it was like two or three times in order for me to be able to, like, he just needed to to secure that wrist so it wasn't bending any wrong way to, like, hurt it even more. But, yeah, he just wrapped it about two or three times so it wasn't fixed. I could kill, still catch the ball and still pass and everything and have movement, like, enough to be able to dribble and pass. And, I mean, it, it hurt, but I, was, I knew that I had to do it for my team and for the university, so. So you played was, with the rap against St. Mary's, and I guess we just didn't notice. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that's wild, dude. That's wild. Okay. Now you're, and now you're good. You, you said you're 90%, you're 95%. You're, you're playing, you can shoot and play. You've been working out. You said, Oh yeah. I've been, I've, nothing stopped me from working out. Like I'm able to do push ups and pull ups now with my, with my trainer here in Arizona. So I'm, I would say I'm 99%. So I'm excited. 
Alex Barcelo with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, let's discuss your role as a senior on this BYU basketball team because from a roster standpoint, it looks entirely different. All of a sudden, you're infused with all of this size. you got big men everywhere, and you're the guy at guard. You're the ball handler. So what do you expect your role to be on this new team with Matt Harms and Richard Harward and all the size around you? Um, just just being that, I always talk about being that leader, you know, in, in the point guard position, you have to be a leader on the floor. You have to be the floor general, basically the coach on the floor. And uh, seeing the, the front line that we have, like 6'10", 6'10", 7'3", like it's just insane. And uh, I know that I'm going to have to, like, they're, they're going to learn the system. And we got great coaches that have played um, big, like, centers and, and forwards and overseas and professionally, and, and they're going to be working with them. Um, but at, like right now, I'm just trying to build that chemistry with them. Like I was just on the phone call after my day ended, I, I came home and hopped on a, on a zoom call with uh, Matt Harms to get a workout with him, just trying to build that chemistry. Um, and it, and it's just, it's just good. And I know that like, he's got that mentality of, I'm going to do anything that we, that I can to win. And, and that's one thing that these coaches stress and kind of as the leader of this, this team this year, like I, I want to continue to stress is not one guy has to do it. We're, we're all going to do it together collectively as a group and me seeing all those bigs that I have, I'm going to need to get the ball into them and then keep them happy. So <laughs> my big thing probably is what I'm going to start telling them is, Hey, you got to run the floor. Cause I love to push the ball. I love to push and transition and get the ball before quickly. So if they can run, they're going to, they're going to get the ball and, and it, it's going to all be good. So, um, Right now, I think just building that chemistry to, to let them know, like, hey, I got you guys back. Like, we're all in this together. Because my mentality is I, I know that we lost a lot of scoring, um, and I'm going to have to step up in that role. But I'm not going to have to do it all by myself. It's a collective group, and I think that's why we went so far this year is because on any given night, a different guy could have been the leading scorer. And uh, that's, it just it just shows um, – I mean, what, what the coaches preach to us and teach us every day. And, and it's, a, it's a team that you want to play for. And I think that's what kind of drew Matt Harms to us is when I hopped on the phone with him, I, I just kind of told him and then explained to him how fun it is to be in this environment and uh, to play the game of basketball the right way um, where you don't have guys who are just looking for their numbers. It, it's, a, it's a good environment. So just, I think, continuing to stress that as a leader, I think is going to be extremely important coming into this next year. Alex, great to catch up with you, see your face, hear your voice, and certainly glad to hear that you're doing well and your, his, uh, your wrist is uh, healing accordingly. Um, and safe travels back up to Utah. Come back to the 85 degrees, Alex. It's, it's better up in the mountains. Yeah, I know. I'm excited to get on some, some hikes up there. I haven't even hiked Hawaii yet, and I've been there for a year or so. Just I'm, go I'm with, to get that done. Just go with Jesse Wade. It's going every day, apparently. <laughs> okay. Right All right, I'll, I'll hit him up. <laughs> Alex, thanks for the time, man. Thank you for having me, guys. Good to see you guys. You got it. Alex Barcelo on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. His role will change very much. This year he was the defensive stopper. I think that continues, but he's going to be the point guard. He's taking over that. And BYU lost 65 points from five seniors that played a lot, right? Notably, the top three, the big three of Yoli Childs, Jake Tools, and TJ House, shot the ball 38 times a game. Alex shot seven times a game last year. I'm thinking that doubles. It should. I'm thinking it doubles. It should. Yeah. So certainly a different uh, game for him. Coming up, Kairos Tonga's emergence from poverty and adoption to thriving at BYU on the football. 
And the best to wear it series continues. Our choice at number 19 towers over the competition. This is BYU Sports Nation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation on demand by downloading the podcast. You can Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hanging out in the studio, Bizzle on Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. Billy Childs has met with 19 NBA teams, according uh, to Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune, including the Utah Jazz. The NBA hasn't announced when the NBA drafts will take place quite yet. Athletics News. The NCAA Division I Council Coordination Committee has extended the recruiting dead period for all sports through July 31st. In a dead period, a college coach cannot have face-to-face contact with college-bound student-athletes or their parents. The Coordination Committee will continue to regularly evaluate this dead period, guided by medical experts. They also say that starting Monday, June 1st, strength and conditioning coaches can virtually observe voluntary workouts, but only if requested by the student-athlete person. Football. All hail the return of the Cactus Bowl. A bowl game in Phoenix, Arizona has returned to the Cactus Bowl moniker after two years known as the Cheez-It Bowl. Cheez-It recently announced they will sponsor a bowl game in Orlando. Apparently everything big is going to Orlando, including the NBA. Guess so. Why is this news, BYU Sports Nation? Because the Cactus Bowl is one of the bowl games that BYU could potentially play in under their current bowl tie-in agreement announced back in January. I am requesting right now that we do the best to wear it. Each show we examine who was the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. We started at zero, and we're counting up through 99. Today we hit at number 19. We'll end in roughly 2023. Uh, Jennifer Hampson is the best to wear number 19. She wore 19 in volleyball, five in basketball, but the greatest uh, female athlete in BYU history, perhaps, because of what she did, she was an All-American in two sports. I mean, that's wild. That's wild. She played from 2010 to 14, uh, two-time All-American in volleyball, led BYU to that amazing 2014 national runner-up finish, had a sweet 16 in there as well. In basketball, she's top 10 in points, third in rebounds, second in blocks, uh, went to a sweet 16 in basketball. How about that? Sweet 16 in two different sports. Good grief. Played four years of pro basketball. I believe played professional volleyball as well. And it might even still be playing. Jenna Hampson was legit. So her runs in the NCAA tournament ended as a senior against the eventual national champion, UConn. And she was giving UConn all sorts of trouble with her length in that Sweet 16 game along with Lexi Rydall. That was the first, if they win this, I'll shave my head, yes. people forget. It was and a two-point game a half. Yes, it was tied at half. And oh, I, tied, yeah. I, or Sorry, it was close to half. You're right. And I had this flush of, oh, my gosh, is this going to happen? <laughs> because that would have been cool to win that game and go to the Elite Eight. But later, obviously, I say it again and uh, against Gunnick. But Jen Hampson, super legit. Played in a national championship match in volleyball. BYU was unseeded the last year that Sean Olmstead was coaching that team. They were the only unseeded team in the history of NCAA volleyball to make a national title run. He jumps to the men's team after that. So he doesn't actually coach a team in 2015, technically. That's he right. skips a year because That's it's right. the fall. Anyway, so uh, Jen Hampson, super awesome. Okay, coming up, start on time or wait for fans. Which would you rather? And Deep Blue with Kyrus Tonga. His incredible journey out of poverty that ended him up at BYU. You don't want to miss it. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
On the latest voiceover with Greg and Chet, the guys visit with MLB great Dale Murphy about being an honorary Cougar and his chances of being inducted into the Hall of Fame, among other topics. Watch this in every episode on the BYU TV Sports social media platforms. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. This week's episode of Deep Blue explores the inspiring journey of BYU defensive lineman Kairos Tonga. This segment shows the powerful influence of family, friends, and faith, eventually leading Tonga to change his life, serve a mission, and decide to play for the Cougars. Here's Deep Blue. Kyrus has been fun to coach. He's, a, he's an awesome young man, really made strides in this last year as a vocal leader, which, you know, if you had known Kyrus before, you couldn't get two words out of him. In high school, uh, my mom, it was hard for her. There's times where she would be in a shelter and uh, we couldn't we couldn't be there. So there's times where I was just I was going back and forth, like looking for a place to stay. Like every night I didn't know where I was gonna go after school. My dad was never really in the picture. It was it was hard, it was a it was a rough time. And then um my senior year. He was adopted by another family and this is one of his best friends' family that took took him in. My mom she basically asked them if they can take care of me and that she, she can't, like, uh, help me anymore. Uh, so that was hard for me. I, I just felt like uh, someone was giving up on me. She was gone from there. Going into my senior year, um, I got into some trouble. I couldn't play football. I couldn't be around anyone. Um, I was on, on house arrest. I felt like everything was just getting taken away from me. I, I learned quickly um, that blessings in disguises. I got into the church. My family helped me, like, started teaching me how to pray, started teaching me how to read the scriptures. He'd gone through a lot at a young age, and so the fact that he was able to embrace such a wonderful family, for the Tonga family to, to love him, and it was to show how much just loving someone and caring for someone can really change their entire life. He's a living proof of that. Finally graduated that senior year, and I was getting ready to go to Utah. And my my pops, the, the guy that I'm with now, and we were driving, and uh, I just told my dad like that I think I want to serve a mission, and he just like stopped the car, and he's like, "You want to what?" I was like, "I want to serve a mission." I, I didn't know what was what I was gonna get myself into, but it was just something I just felt like I needed to do. That was something my wife and I. I always wanted him to do was go on a mission. But at the same time, we didn't want to pressure him or force him. So I said to him, I says, well, why do you want to go on a mission? And I'll never forget what he says. He says, oh, God's watched me all my life. And the least I can do is give back two years. And right then I knew it was sincere because all he wanted to do in his life was to play football. But now you understand that there's something more important than football. I left as soon as I got clear with my bishop, and I, and I went. And without the mission, I don't know where I would be. Um, I don't know if I'd be at Utah or get into trouble. But I'm here at BYU, and it's it's been it's been good for me. And the Cougars bring pressure in trouble and this Tonga. The expression of gratitude is is him. He is so thankful for everything and, and can't, can't express enough how much he shows his gratitude and how grateful he is to everyone. When he could easily 
I complained and quit a long time ago. Slovis to the air, gets hit, and taken down for a sack by Tonga. Having Kairos as a brother um, fills in the missing puzzle piece that we never knew we had. Even though I love Utah, um, I am a Kairos Tonga fan. That is the only player I will ever cheer for. I think he just knows that we love the youth so much, so he's kind of used to it. We joke around and say um, he's a chimpo, if you guys know Mulan. The big, the biggest guy in the whole movie, but he's the most graceful, the most loving. Looking at the pictures, like our family pictures of Kairos not in it, it's kind of weird. We don't like looking at it because we always know that someone's missing. And so we don't really frame those pictures up because it's just, it's not our family. You know, there are people that God put in your path for a reason. When he used to talk about his struggles, I would think to myself, where was I? Where was I when all of this happened? And he would just look at me, he would say, Mom, it's okay. Because in a way, I, I knew if I had him earlier, he would not go through those struggles. Because I'm very protective over my children. And I love him as if he was naturally ours. So my heroes are, are my mom, my dad. They mean everything to me. Um, everything I am, everything I will be is because my parents. It's been a little crazy, but I wouldn't change anything, so... Kairos Tonga, Deep Blue, we told you, it's an incredible story of uh, resilience. Amazing, right? Some amazing adversities, and here he is. And we think he's got a great shot to play in the National Football League, and uh, he's an easy guy to root for. Yes, and he's a guy that has tremendous potential. Uh, He's been good. He can be great. He really can. At times, we've seen him be great. Obviously, uh, cutting weight's been a conversation uh, with him the past couple years. Uh, he's the guy that has five sacks. I think if he can have three or four this year, I think that'd really help his draft stock. He's a he's a second day NFL kind of guy, second third round, uh, first round if he just has a monster season, right? But I believe he will be drafted. I think you do too. There's there's a little bit of work for him to do on the field, but this story was about off the field oh. and, and what he's overcome and. I, I love the Deep Blues because they humanize these athletes. A lot of times we talk about on the on the field, on the court stuff, but at the end of the day, these are people who do something at BYU that define them for now, but when all is said and done, it's just a puzzle piece in the tapestry of their lives, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah they're so well put together, and um, I love the insight that they provide. In fact, our first guest today, Alex Barcelo, we had a deep blue feature on him. We learned some amazing things there about, yep. about his unique story and his uh, trail to BYU. Yeah. A lot of times it comes with unexpected twists and turns, and it's fun to learn about those. Absolutely. Okay, coming up, today's Rise and Shadow. And would you rather start football on time without fans or wait for college football with fans? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group. Serving Utah since 1968. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. 
protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation not done yet. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. You know what? You can Google BYU Sports Nation podcast and uh, yeah, just do that with your fingers like uh, Spencer. Like uh, Jim Carrey and Liar Liar. Deleted. Yes. <laughs> it is time that we play Would You Rather, presented by the aforementioned Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Would you rather? Yes. Would you rather on BYU Sports Nation? Would you rather start the 2020 football season on time or wait until fans can attend and then start, Jerem? Uh, I would like it to play on time because I want the full season. If you wait for fans, that means perhaps you don't have the full season. I doubt that we're going to extend deep into December. It's already sort of what it is, right? After, you know, weekend before or around Labor Day typically, and then you go through the first week of December. Championship games are the second week in December. We can't be pushing this the next week because guess what? That's when bowl games start typically. Granted, the teams playing in the championship weeks aren't in those particular bowl games. But yeah, I, I would rather... Play on time. Yes, that guarantees that BYU and Utah will happen on September 3rd. True. If you delay, maybe that game doesn't happen at all. Exactly. So what do you really want, BYU fans? You want that shot at Utah. You want the opportunity to end the losing streak. So I want to start on time, whether it's with one fan or with its its, uh, 46,000 fans. I would love to see Rice Eccles, one fan just sitting there. Yeah. Go Cougs! <laughs> Just one dude. <laughs> then he's and the they so every cutaway for any score is the one guy. <laughs> Who is it? Yeah, there's just one Utah fan at Rice Cycle Stadium. <laughs> Section 27, it, row 21. It would be Isaac Wood, the voice you're hearing now. That would be the one BYU fan. And then you hear, listen, you're going to hear everything that he's yelling. He or she is yelling during a game. Because yeah. it's so quiet, unless they pump and crap. Now, now we're on to an idea. Now, one thing I want to do is if, if BYU and everyone else is like, okay, there's only X amount of fans, that there's some kind of, kind of public drawing for this. And then you, the anticipation Who of like, to go to do I get in or not? You do season ticket holders only because they have paid for the right to be there in the first place. That's going to be really tricky. Like, what if BYU and other schools say, oh, there's, you can only do X percent capacity and you have to spread them out, da-da-da. Who gets in? How do you decide who gets in? I'm wondering how the 99 that get into uh, you know sacrament meeting right now in church, how that's going to be decided. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, am I? Now, now we got like a Jehovah's Witnesses sort of like number thing going on here. <laughs> who gets in and why? Wow. Maybe they were right. There has to be an algorithm. We live on the base an of silicon, algorithm. A silicon slopes, man. Like yeah. there are so many billion dollar businesses around here that that focus on metrics and making these calculation algorithms happen. Somebody can figure it out. Somebody can figure it out. I I tr- I trust the smart people. People you, that are smarter than me. You could run a company. Someone figure this out. <laughs> that isn't me. I will delegate it cuz I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Like, if they're fans and it's limited, how is that determined? Yeah. Is it 18,000? And how do you determine six feet apart? And how many people can be within each family group? And How do you determine who is in a family group? You know what I mean? Like, you just say, hey, bring your own group at your own risk. But yeah. you have to stay six feet away from the next group. I, I don't know. 
I don't know, concessions, getting into the stadium, that procession, right? Going to the bathroom. You can enter the stadium. You're way spaced down. Yeah. Uh, at between this 10-minute period. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what? And everyone's going to be late because it's a BYU game. So. <laughs> Very interesting. Watch countdown the kicker. Just give football to me on time. I don't care what happens. Yeah, I'm more concerned about the game than I am the fan in the stance. I'm more concerned about second de- like BYU scoring in the red zone It'll than I am broadcast. about Cougar Tails. It'll be you know broadcast. I mean? yeah. Like we will be able to watch the game somehow. Yes. Just give it to me on time. Yes. Please. Absolutely. All right. So what what ended up winning? Wow. Start uh, on yeah. time. Ninety one percent. Ninety one percent of you at vote.byutv.org wow. are want to start on time. Yes. The thirst is real. Mm. We have been wandering in the desert of no live sports for seventy eight days now. Yeah. Seventy eight days. I'm about to collapse. <sighs> Emotionally. At least live sports in America. I know that the Korean baseball organization has changed things, but come on. That's great. Come on. Football fans. On Twitter, at Mike Sorensen32 brings us our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Definitely on time. I have been deprived of my beloved sports, especially my Cougars, for too long, and it won't be long before I'm declared insane. Yes, uh, I'm at that point. Our rise to shoutouts. Mine goes out to Fred Roberts. I caught wind of this game, and we watched the highlights. 1989, game four. He played for the Bucks. Against the Pistons, Pistons win the game and sweep the series, but Fred Roberts, your boy, has 33 points in that game. He's on fire. Career-high 33 in the playoffs? That was Eastern awesome. semis? That was awesome. I, I smell a reviewables. Outstanding. My rise and shout-out goes to a uh, friend of the program, Matt Brown, a BYU fan who tweeted out, man, you know what ruled? Precedented times. <laughs> <laughs> Those were awesome. <laughs> Those were awesome. Our thanks to today's guest, Alex Barcelo. Sorry to Dustin Pitta. We ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUF. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Manasseh Tonga. We'll see you tomorrow for the Y Awards on BYU Sports Nation. Tuxedos and all. Go Cougs. <laughs>